Hey, this is Andrea, and you're listening to the City Heart Podcast. We hope that this series inspires you, challenges you, and propels you to dive deeper into your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up your Bibles with me. We're going to take a look in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and uh, we're going to start reading, well, we're going to read verse 13 and 14, which we touched on last week, and then we're going to go back to Acts 2, uh, as we did last week. But Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to look in verse number 13, verse number 13. And we read this scripture last week, and, and this is one that really kind of, man, if there's a scripture that, that kind of corresponds with what we're speaking about, that kind of encapsulates what I'm really trying to get across to you in this series. It's this Matthew 7 scripture, and it says this. In verse 13, it says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Verse 14 says, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Man, leave something in there in Matthew chapter 7. We'll pick up on that just a little bit later. But I wanted to turn to Acts chapter 2. When we started off here last week, I'm actually going to uh, dovetail into where we ended last week in Acts chapter 2. We've been talking about the early church in this series and about really the, the, uh, the beginning formation of what the church looked like and what it was supposed to look like. And so let's look. You can't do that without looking in Acts chapter 2. So let's take a look back there. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 36 Acts 2 and verse 36, it reads like this. It says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 says, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. We're in this series called Man, we are not normal. And I'm going to preach a message today called Cut to the Heart. Cut to the Heart. Man, wherever you are, let's bow our heads and pray and give honor to our God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that this is a day that you have made. And Lord, we rejoice and we are so glad in it. And we're grateful for this opportunity that we have uh, not only to worship you, God, but to give your name the praise. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as I speak these words, God, as we break down and look into your word, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, God, that you would encourage us today, Lord, that we would see in a new way what your word is saying to us. Lord, challenge us and 
a way that we've never been challenged before to fulfill your gospel, to speak your gospel, to communicate to a lost and dying world how much we need you, God. Lord, help us to recognize that we are not normal. And through this series, Lord, I pray that we would communicate that well. God, I pray for everybody that's watching from home. God, I pray that, Lord, you would bless them and cover them, Lord, and then even that you would heal our country, that you'd heal this land with so much turmoil and and uprising that's going on, God. We know that we need you now more than ever. Lord, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts, impact our thoughts, and come into our ears. Lord, may they take residence in our hearts. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. We all say together, amen, amen. Man, I pray that you are blessed wherever you are, that you are encouraged this morning. Man, that worship was, was really amazing, and it, it really just, it, it blessed me. The praise will be my song. It's ringing in my head. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to go back to that. The praise will be my song. We, we need that. Just as much um, the, the, the need for, for spiritual growth, and believers in in this season has never, ever been more vital to the health and healing of the world than right now. I believe that. I believe in, in our generation, in this generation, there's never been a more significant moment or significant need of spiritual growth, of really moving with the Spirit than what we're experiencing right now, right in this moment. And, and that need that, that we should feel, right, to, to reach the world and, and to teach the world, not only through salvation, right, not only through being saved or having, man, knowledge and faith in, in Jesus Christ, but also sanctification, right, that continuous spiritual growth, that we're walking with the Lord every day and we're growing with him, that what that need, that need for us to do that, to spiritually grow, Man, if, if you haven't recognized it yet, we have reached a fever pitch of the need for salvation and sanctification in this world. Can I get an amen from your couch? It's needed more than ever now. And, and we talk about salvation and sanctification a lot here at City Heart. Why? Because that's our job. And we want you to not only be saved, but to also be sanctified, to be, man, on this path, this continuous path of spiritual growth. And it's not only because we want to do it, it's because Jesus talked about it while he was on the earth. He spent time teaching his disciples and encouraging them not only to follow the the decrees of God, but to also walk, accept, and, and believe with the Holy Spirit, that it would be a part of our daily lives and that we would recognize the need for that especially in the midst of a corrupt generation. When you look at Jesus' time, he was in the midst of a corrupt generation. And I believe that his words, right, are transposing themselves to our time now. And he is calling out to us from the word and telling us to save ourselves from this generation. And I'm going to break that down because in our minds, right, we, we can kind of take that phrase and we can see it as, well, I need, I need to remove myself from this world. Man, I, I need to, man, I need, I need to disregard or distance myself from what's going on in the world. And look, is the world evil? Yes, right? 
Man, our morals and values in this season jacked up, absolutely, but it's not hopeless. And it's not the time for the church, his body, to distance ourselves from the people that we're supposed to be called to. We are supposed to be called into the world meant to make a difference and to change the world. And we can look at the world, right? We can look even in this day and age right now. We can look at looters. We can look at rioters. We can look at protesters. And we can kind of have this attitude, right, that's like, well, I trust that God will go ahead and handle all of that for us. Right, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to pray to the Lord that he will handle all that's going on in the world right now. And, and we, we're kind of resigning the job to God and not taking it on ourselves. All of that justice and reform that those people are crying out in the street and, 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 and painting on, 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 you know, on, on the city blocks. Man, we'll just ask the Lord to do that. Whatever they're asking for, there, man, I'll, I'll pray that, that, that they get together and that they get what they want, right? Because really, it's disrupting my life. I don't know about you, but I've seen that kind of attitude where people are just using the gospel to kind of distance themselves from the responsibility that we all have to reach the world. And as Jesus' disciples in this season, I believe that really this season should be hitting us differently. It shouldn't be hitting us where we feel like we should be removed. If anything, there should be a burning unction in us to go beyond and to be beyond what's normal. What's normal is to just, well, let me thoughts and prayers on this and just distance myself from the realities of what's really going on. But I believe in this season that God is looking for a church. He's looking for people that say, you know what, Lord, you've called me to this season and I'm ready to step into what, man, what troubles are in this world. I'm ready to step into the fight. I'm ready to step into the struggle, not to be distanced from it, but to say, Lord, I take this on for my Myself. Man, isn't that what Jesus told us to do? Matthew 28, 18, Jesus told his disciples, he said, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And look, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the job of going and making disciples of all nations. That's our job, baptizing them, right? That's salvation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you to do, right? What is that? That's teaching salvation and sanctification. He's given us that job to do that, to to do that work. And he says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Look, let me put it this way. This world is lost without Jesus. It just is. And that's a hard truth. And this world's going to remain lost without him. That's another hard truth. And, and as the church, I know, it's not even I feel, it's not even I believe, I know that it's our calling and it's our purpose to go and to declare that truth to a world that doesn't seem like it wants to know that truth. Can I just be honest with y'all today? Y'all might get a little bit of raw PK. I'm sorry. That's not a normal calling. It's not a normal purpose. I get that, right? 
1 Corinthians right, 1.18 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness. If you look into the world and they're looking at us, they think that what we believe is foolishness, right? But it's foolishness only to those that are perishing, the word says. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. This is the authority that the word's saying, look, I've given you this to go into the world. I'm sending you out there to preach foolishness to people that are perishing. That's not normal. I know. Right? He's saying, look, I'm going to send you out there with a message that people may not necessarily want to hear. Ooh. There's a reaction that the world has to hard truths. There's a reaction that people have when hard truths are revealed to them, especially ones, right, where they've been conditioned, and we all have been, by society, right? There's, there's a reaction that we have when, we, when we've been conditioned by our personal politics or, man, our skewed or even the hidden history or even the culture of the world, right? We've been conditioned not to believe, right? We've been conditioned right, not to want to hear the gospel. We've been conditioned not to want to hear hard truths. We've been conditioned not to want to even see hard truths. And it's right in front of our faces on video camera for eight minutes and 46 seconds, and still we can deny the hard truth of what's going on in the world. We just don't want to see it. Can I tell the truth? I told you I was going to be raw today. I tried to give you a for one, and I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm passionate about this thing right here, about the gospel, right? And we know that people don't want to hear hard truths. Why? Because at one point in the world, we didn't want to hear hard truth either. At one point, the, the, the hard truth was presented to us about, hey, here's what your life looks like. And what did we do? Ooh. There's either, there's, there's kind of, right, there's two reactions that you have, right? The reaction that we have because of hard truth is going to go, right, it's, A, it's going to cut you to the heart, I don't care who you are. If somebody starts to tell you a hard truth, it's going to hit you here. It's going to hit you. Somebody tells you a hard truth, my wife does a really good job of that for me. When she tells me a hard truth, ooh, it cuts to the heart. They used to say, right, when you get a cut on your leg, right, it cuts, it cuts to the white meat, right? It cuts, it cuts all the way down to the, to the, to the, to the stuff that you don't want to see. Right? I had that one time, my, my sisters, I was probably five or six, and we were doing something we weren't supposed to do. We were playing on the fence in the backyard in Boston, right? Backyard house, living in a, in a triple-decker house. And there was a fence all the way around, around the back of the house. And on the top of it, it had those little, you know, you know little prawns on the top of a fence like that. And my sisters, hey, let's play the game of Kevin jumps over the fence, right? Over this fence that has the prongs sticking up on it. Let's play this game where we run, Kevin runs around, and he runs and jumps over the fence. And what happened? I cut my foot. And I cut my foot all the way down to the bone on that prong. And it hurt, and I cried. Oh, I cried. And I yelled, oh, I yelled something fierce, right? But that's what happens when we face a hard truth. Man, it cuts to the heart. And a cut to the heart is this. It's a wound that penetrates so deep into the emotion of your inner person that it exposes the current condition. It exposes the health of your heart and the position, the location of your heart. That's what a cut to the heart really does. And obviously how this cut to the heart is expressed outwardly is going to differ, right, based on the context 
of what's being shared, of, of the truth that's being given, and also, right, the condition and position of the person that's receiving that hard truth. Those, man, hard truths are tough. They cut to the heart. And what do you mean, PK? Man, I mean, the person's receiving that, any hard truth, I don't care who you are. I don't care how disciplined and kind and nice of a person that you are, how controlled you feel like you might be. If somebody gives you a really hard truth, it's going to cut you a certain way. And you're going to have one of two reactions. You're going to either have rage or repentance. If somebody gives you a really hard truth and it really hits you where it counts, you're going to have, I promise you, you're going to have one or two reactions. You're going to have rage or you're going to have repentance. Whether you speak or not, whether you react right physically or not, in your heart, you're feeling rage or you're feeling repentance. Why? It's because hard truths are offensive. They are offensive. They are direct and they're specific, and they leave no room for compromise. And we either act defensively or we willingly allow the offense, the offense, if you will, to come through and to score on our hearts. I mean, I mean I'm either going to put up a defense to that hard truth or I'm going to allow the offense to come through and do something to my heart. Jesus says in John 14, 6, read this last week, he says, I am the way, and I am the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a hard truth. It's direct, it's specific, and it doesn't leave room for compromise. He doesn't say, hey, there's two or three ways to get to God. No, he says, I am the way, the only way to get to God. And the world and the society that we live in does not view this as normal. What we believe, this is a core scripture to your belief as a Christian, right? And the world's saying, look, that's not normal. They'll even say, that's not right. They'll definitely say that's not normal. And, and the world does not like to face hard truths. We know this and does not want to believe that there is only one way to God. But let, let me give you a few more examples from the word of how this same hard truth, right, that Jesus gives is received. Let, let me show you what it looks like for us to speak foolishness to the world, right? Acts 5.29 Acts 5.29, right? In Acts 5, you see Peter and, and the other apostles, they're, they're standing before the Sanhedrin. What is that, right? That's the high priest and the high council of priests for all of Israel, right? So they're talking, man, these are, the, these are the important people in the community. These are the religious leaders in the community, right? Uh, and and, and they, Peter's before them, right, because they defied an order to stop preaching this hard truth of, that Jesus is the way. That's why they, they've already told Peter, hey, Y'all need to stop teaching this because we're not cool with that because y'all are telling hard truths that we really don't want to hear. And, and that's what we see in Acts chapter 5. If you go back and, and read it, right, the beginning part, Peter starts breaking it down for them really, really well, and they don't want to hear it. Right, let me show you. I'll give you the, I'll give you the last, last little piece that he gives there, Acts 5.29. Peter and the apostles replied to these high priests, and they said, look, we must obey God rather than human beings. Let me stop right there. We obey God rather than human beings. Some of us in our life have started to obey human beings 
more than we obey God. Can I get an amen? amen. You might look, that's an old me. Look, right there. That was a, that was a oh, cut to the heart, right there. Right? And then he goes on to say, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed, right? He's telling this to, 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 the, to the chief priests, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. He says, but God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. He's telling them, look, if you think you're going to have a relationship with God, y'all just killed the person that you were going to have a relationship through God through. So what you going to do now? That's basically what Jesus is saying here, right? He said, look, he's the way to repentance and forgiveness of sins. And he says, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were, the word says here, furious. If you look in the, in the NIV, you look in the King James Version, it says they were cut to the heart. And they wanted to put them to death. What was their response? Rage. Their response was rage, right? Peter lays down a, a, a direct and a specific and a hard truth to these religious people, and it cuts to the hearts. And their reaction is fury and rage. Let me give you one more, right? Later on in Acts, right, you see Stephen, who is a disciple of Jesus as well. He's also standing before the Sanhedrin because what is he doing? He's teaching the world the truth about Jesus, right? And in Acts chapter 7, he gives, right, really an extensive historical account about from, from the beginning all the way up to Jesus' time and beyond and, and, and begins to tell them, hey, look, you've actually rejected Jesus. Isn't it crazy how God will send multiple people our way to try to give us the truth about him? I'll just leave that right there. Acts chapter 7, verse 51, right? He says, he says, you stiff, now this is Stephen's gangster. I love this, right? He says, you stiff necks and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. What is he telling them? You have yet to be, allow yourself to even be cut to the heart, right? He says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. And when they heard these things, look, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. What, are they, what is that? That's rage. And eventually, what do we see, right? Stephen is stoned to death because of what he preached to them for speaking the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, again, what we see is these hard truths cut to the heart of people, exposing the condition and the position of their hearts. There's, man, this reaction to the truth, this rage and fury, right? It's, it's the reaction that the world would love for you to believe is normal right? People hear hard truth, and it's just immediate rage, and people will believe, oh, that reaction is normal. That, man, that's that's the right reaction. And, And the enemy has a field day because of rage, keeping us exactly where we are with these hardened hearts, 
right? And we're unable to change. We're unable to understand realities. We're unable to respond appropriately to hard truths because our immediate reaction is to go into rage. Our immediate reaction is denial. Our immediate reaction is excuses. Our immediate reaction is hardness versus humility. And now what we do is, man, we might point the finger at others, but many of us know that the attitudes was just as easily found in us. This, this hard truth, right? This, man, this, this attitude was just as easily found, right, in us. And here's the thing. God could have, man, he could just as easily, the same wrath that he extends on people, he could have just easily have extended that on us and left us in our state of rage and our state of fury and our state of anger, right? When, when we rejected the truth of his gospel. And he could have done the same thing for them when they rejected the truth of his gospel. But that's not God's attitude. Thank you, Jesus. That's not God's attitude. Let's take a look. How does God respond to the world? How does God respond to the rage that we have in our hearts when we hear hard truths? Here's what he does. John 3, 16. Y'all know this. What do you do? For God so loved the world. With your nasty attitude, he still loved the world. With your refusal to give people justice, he still loves the world. With, with keeping people oppressed and poor and down, he still loves our world. And he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that has to be our response. That has to be our attitude that we're saying, look, Lord, we, 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 we want to do your will, and we want to speak this truth because, man, even though the world is messed up and jacked up and janky, we still believe that Jesus is the truth that this world needs. It needs him. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for not rejecting us when we rejected you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to turn away from what was normal so that we might receive your salvation. I love how the Lord treats us and what he does when, when we begin to thaw our hearts, right? Ezekiel 36, 25, 26, 27, we read this here a lot at City Heart. What does he say? He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols and I will give you a new heart, why am I being cut to the heart with hard truths? Because the Lord's saying, look, I got to open you up to put a new heart in there. I'm going to put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony and stubborn and hard heart, and I'm going to give you a tender and responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Why is it so important that we need to go out and preach the gospel? Why is it important for us to not be normal? Because the Lord is expecting us to take his gospel into a world that's so hard and thinks they don't need him, but the Lord 
Lord is trying to do some heart transformation and some heart transplants in the world so that we can live out the way that he's called us to live, right? And so we see this pattern that he describes in Ezekiel 36, 26. We see this repeated in Acts chapter 2. We read it earlier. I told you not to lose it, right? Acts 2, 36, right? It says, it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, That's the gospel. That's the hard truth of Jesus being spoken. That's our message, right? But look at the difference between the world and believers, right? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, man, what shall we do? For believers being cut to the heart should prompt action. For those of us, man, even if you're an unbeliever and you're saying, look, I recognize that I have to get right. What should our response be? It should be, man, Lord, what do I need to do? Man, what what shall we do? Right? I'm going to make a decision to turn away from the old life, my old attitudes, my old habits, right? And I'm going to make a choice to be cleansed, right? We are cut to the hearts. In the Greek, this cut to the heart means that we are severely troubled and made sorrowful, right? That's the attitude of repentance, right? We are in a mindset that is open to respond to the gospel in faith. And that's what Peter tells him to do in Acts 2.38. What does he tell him? He says, look, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we repent, when we make a decision to turn away from our sin and from the lives we were living, and, and we are baptized, right? We that full immersion in water, right? As a symbol of Christ's death and resurrection, right? But also we're showing that we're cleansed from sin for good, right? What we're doing is we're turning away from that old life. We're turning away from things that we've put up to, in, our, in our lives to say, and hey, this, is, this is just who I am, Right? And, and when you start to do that, that doesn't look normal to the world. When you start to tear down structures in your life that represent your past, the world doesn't take that as normal, right? The world puts up on the front, and we do that too, right? If, man, you see people in your life starting to take things down that, that were kind of in their past. They start taking down certain relationships that were a monument to their past and their sin, right? That, ooh, ooh, people start to get sensitive. Man, when you start to take things down that don't look like the justice of God, Man, there's a shaking that happens in the kingdom, and that's really what needs to start happening in our hearts, is that there's a move away from who we used to be into the truth of who God designed us to be. And look, none of that process is normal to the world. Man, the world looks at us and they say, why would you go through all of that? Man, why why do you need to leave your past? What's the purpose of that? Man, can't you just leave that up? No, we cannot just leave it up. Why? Because it's a symbol of what we are trying to leave behind. And if I can look on that symbol with pride, then I'm going to, man, it's more likely for me to turn back to that symbol when I forget who God is. Y'all ain't hearing me today. Why would you cleanse yourself from your past? It's because we're not normal. We're not normal. We know we need forgiveness, and so we allow ourselves to be cut to the heart. And even more than that, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, we put ourselves in the position 
to be cut to the heart again and again. That's who we are as believers. So that we might live holy. And that we might continue to grow spiritually. That's what sanctification really is. It's saying, Lord, this new day is what I choose to take on. I choose to, to remain in this place of repentance and cleansing every day. And Lord, whatever it takes for me to humble myself into that place of repentance, I'm willing to do that. I recognize that the world is okay and in staying exactly where they are and not changing and not asking for forgiveness. There, man, the world is okay with denying sin, living and glorifying in the darkness and destruction of our past, but that's not our lane. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, that is not our lane. What is our lane? Matthew 7, 13, I told you I'd come back to it, right? He says, enter through the narrow gates, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. When we make a mistake, when we sin against God, when we miss the mark because his spirit, because his spirit is active on the inside of us, because we've made a decision to be cleansed and to change our way, because we are severely troubled and made sorrowful, because, man, we are in this place of repentance, recognizing that we can't stay where we are. We desire forgiveness. We want to grow and change. We are mindful to not return to what was normal. We recognize the fact that the world that we live in is utterly corrupt. It's utterly corrupt. In Acts 2.40, we read this, read it earlier. It says, Peter here with many words encouraged the people. He said, look, I'm going to warn you and I'm going to plead with you to be saved from this corrupt generation. It doesn't mean that we're turning our backs on them. It doesn't mean that we're just going to displace ourselves from the situation that's going on. But we are going to help this world reconcile itself back to God. How do we do that? We do our best to live holy and to grow spiritually, right? We believe that that repentance and baptism is the start position and the heart position of spiritual growth. That's where you started saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. Lord, let me turn away from my past. Let me turn away from the wrong. And Lord, let me be cleansed. Let me be made new by your spirit. That's what we believe. Why do we believe it? I told you I was going to say that every week. I'm going to tell you what we believe and why we believe it. Here's, that's what we believe. Here's why we believe it. It's because we know that putting ourselves into the, into the position to be cut to the heart again and again, it brings us closer to God. Being in that position, that consistent position of repentance, of allowing ourselves to be cut again and again, of being offended by the word and choosing not rage, 
not our own way, not stuck in our own attitudes or in our own disposition, but choosing God, choosing his way. That's what helps us to build that relationship and to bring us closer to him. And so we make a deliberate choice to live a holy and a separated life. And that ain't normal. But it's what we're called to. Look, I know this is a tough word. But I'd rather give you the hard truth than to try to pour sugar on something and act like it's going to be okay. I'd rather you be offended with me as a man and in my own my own self or whatever you might think of me. I'd rather the word speak to you and you be offended by me. But I, I mean, my, my encouragement to you is, is, is not to get hard in your heart, but to say, Lord, Lord, what must I do? What must I do to understand? What must I do to see? What must I do to hear the hard truth of your gospel? What do I need to do? It's making that deliberate choice to live holy, to live a holy and separated life. That's a promise that the Lord has given us, that if we would make the decision to continually be open to the hard truth, that the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of forgiveness would be made available to us. And he says, not only is it for us, in Acts 2.39, he says, but this promise is for you and it's for your children and it's for everyone, for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. And for all who will call on the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you're watching today and look, this word was offensive to you. I'm sorry, but I ain't sorry. Why? Because I'd, I'd, I'd rather you be in the place of repentance. I'd rather this word cut you to the heart than to just make you feel good. That's who we are as a church. We're not normal. We're not your normal just going to, man, glad hand you, make you feel good on a Sunday. We're going to challenge you and we're going to push you into salvation and sanctification because your life depends on it. I could teach a soft, sugar-coated word, but if you don't change, then you can't fulfill the abnormal calling and purpose that God has designed specifically for you. That he's gonna use your gifts and your talents and your skills to reach the world with. And he's waiting for you to choose his son. He's waiting for you to align yourself with him. If you're watching today from home, if you're here in the room with me right now, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now to start on this path to get, man, your heart in this start position and in the right position to move forward with him. And I'm going to pray a prayer for all of us today. And I'm going to pray a prayer specifically for salvation. Lord, I thank you for this word today. I, I thank you that it was a challenging word, God. Lord, I thank you as a word that cut to even my heart, Lord, all of our hearts. A 
across this room, Lord, and across our, our state and our city. God, I pray that this word would, would stick to us like glue. And I pray, Lord, that it would keep offending us, that it would keep cutting us to the heart, that we might get to a place of surrender and repentance to you, God. Lord, let us continue to know you. Let us, man, for those who don't know you, Lord, let us find you as our first love, that we might experience the blessing and the promises that you provide to us in your word because they're exactly what we need right now. And it's exactly what the world needs right now. It's men and women who have made it their calling and their purpose to speak the hard truth to a lost and dying world. God, I pray that you give us the boldness to speak that word in the name of Jesus. For those that are listening right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you, man, to repeat this after me. This is a decision that you have to make on your own. I can't force you. I don't want to try to. But if you want to know Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, say aloud. Say, Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for caring about me. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Lord, I repent of my sins and I choose to follow you from this day forward. You are the Lord and the Messiah of my life. And I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I pray that if you pray that prayer today that you would know just as I am telling you, as you're hearing me right now, know that you are saved, that God loves you, and that we care for you. May I pray that you would share this message with someone you know who needs it, who needs to hear a hard truth about themselves and about the world today. Man, we are praying for you as a church family. We pray that your day is blessed. Man, we pray that you would go forth in the power and the love of Jesus Christ today. And we thank you for watching with us today. Man, I pray that you're blessed. God bless you and your families. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want to hear more about this series or learn more about our church, check us out at cityheartjackson.com or follow us online at cityheartjxn.